Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. <clears throat> You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, <laughs> culture, <laughs> adventures, and ghosts. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watched The Exorcism of Emily Rose. The Exorcism of Emily Rose is a 2005 American supernatural horror legal drama film directed by Scott Derrickson. It follows a lawyer who takes on a negligent homicide case involving a priest who performed an exorcism on a young girl called Emily Rose. Derrickson. Scotty. Scotty D. Can I say, I was very nervous for this one. Oh, I hated it. Absolutely. We, we, you know, we were watching some stuff and we put it to the back, back, back of what we were doing. Yeah. Like idiots. We didn't want it. Um, We fear it. We were right to fear it, I think. Yeah. Well, part of it for me is the Scott Derrickson of it because we watched- What was the one we watched with him in uh, Cargill? Sinister. Sinister. And also Black Phone. Oh, and Black Phone. Black Phone had more hope and heart, but Sinister was pretty hopeless. Sinister is a mean movie. And this doesn't even have Cargill, who I have a feeling he's where the heart comes from, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And so I was walking into this one thinking, oh, no, we're- we're like we are signing up to feel a bit terrible. Yep. Also, exorcism, possession, yeah, terrifying yeah. Hate, shit. Hate possessions. The poster of this movie Fucked. had been sitting in the background of my head for a while. I remember, literally, I think again when we first started Scaredy Boys years ago. Now, the three of us basically like, all right, let's get a bit of a a list for some early movies for us to check out. We're all on our phones or our laptops, finding a bunch of horror movies to add to this list, yeah. showing each other posters, showing each other synopsises. And yeah, this was one where it's like, oh, do we really like this is where the idea of this podcast started to really settle on us about maybe this isn't a good idea. Yeah. And I have to factor in too, I think in my mind, I always confuse this with there's another one like um, the Deborah Logan one. The Haunting of Deborah Logan. Yeah, and there's yeah. another and then one the too. Last Exorcism. Okay. Yeah. So I think all of them sort of converged in my mind as like a super possession. <laughs> so it, just, it just made me even more scared. One yeah, super yeah. horror movie combined. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. a Captain Planet, but of fear. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Very good, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you guys know about the legal drama side of this thing? Again, because I wasn't exactly sure which thing we were getting, but I knew that <laughs> I knew that one of them was a bit of a legal drama because it, it occurred to me when we watched The Conjuring 3 yeah. that I was like, oh, I was thinking it was going to be more like that. Yeah. And we obviously didn't get much legal drama. No, Conjuring, Conjuring 3. No it's, a great, it's a great concept. And again, we talk about this a lot with horror, where if you take horror and then just sprinkle it through the elements of another genre of film yeah, or story. Yeah. And taking the idea of possession and is it real, is it not real, mm. you know, which is what the first half of Conjuring 3 is. Yeah. 
taking that and unleashing that into a full movie, great idea. Yeah. Like, what if you have to, in your job as a lawyer, prove the devil is real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. What are the implications of that? That sets precedent. Mm. I'm thinking from a legal perspective. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a lawyer. I haven't done any law. There was a moment in this film where we were saying something and I turned to you and told you a fact and you were like, are you a law boy? And I'm like, that's a year 11 legal study, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that is basic, basic understanding of Didn't law. do it. Never no. would. Hate the legal system. Yeah. I love crime. <laughs> well, no, you need to know the legal system so no. you can do better crime. No, I'm a bad criminal. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad, bad guy. But Laura Linney will be my lawyer. Yeah, you'll be all She'll right. She'll get you off. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's also one of the things that I love about this is, um, that not love, but is like kind of weird about this, is mm. it's never like- Fully explored that the guy that she gets off is is guilty. Like the, the first guy, Ho- previous Van, case. Van Hopper yeah, or whatever his yeah. name is. Like that, they just sort of sprinkle that in there, mm. being like, "Oh yeah, he, I just assumed he it, more people." I assumed it was just because of no no disrespect to lawyers, the profession mm. and the the firm that she seemed to be a part of. I yeah, just assumed yeah. no, she got a lot of like credits in the bank from you know pulling off a miracle there. Right, right. Yeah. So later in the film, when you do see that he's been arrested for like another murder, yeah. there was that question, I guess, in your mind of like, oh, is this like, has has the devil made him do this one though? Right. Or, no, I just think he was always a piece of shit. I think so too. And that's part of her yeah. conflict. She's like, oh, the bad things I do have consequences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is great. But yeah, back to the sort of the, the overall idea of this as a lawyer, a law drama, I think, like we said, it's a great premise. I think it's also a really terrific framing device. Yes. Where it basically allows us to tell the story of some horrible supernatural occurrence from inside the courtroom with we know we're going to get flashbacks. We know we're going to we're going to feel safe in the courtroom and then feel less safe whenever we have a flashback. And then the way it even starts to, and again, it doesn't commit, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but uh, it starts to bleed into our present-day protagonist in Laura Linney as the lawyer and so all of a sudden we're thinking, by the end of this, this courtroom is not going to be safe anymore. Yeah, we're yes. going to have flashbacks that aren't safe and a courtroom that's not safe. Oh, no, we're in trouble. Yeah. But even then, it also just puts up, like, again, I think for any sort of framing device, it's always really interesting when basically that they should be doing exactly what their title says. They should be framing the movie in some way, yeah. giving us these borders so that we can kind of contain a story within those borders and an audience can come in and kind of know the edges of this thing and really feel like they're getting a whole meal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I think this one does a really good job of it. Like for, for a law case, it's, it's a framing device because we're going to have the start of the trial. They're going to have their different, like, you know, even like opening statements and evidence and uh, witnesses and all this sort of stuff. The structure's there. The structure's there. And then we get our final verdict. So it's perfectly set up as a story structure. Yeah. Some of the legal fuckery near the end baffles me, but like- I don't know. Maybe I don't watch enough court dramas well, and stuff. I, again, it's based on an inspired by a true story or based on a true story. Yeah, I think yeah. to it to its detriment. Yes, I I, 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 I agree. I think they yeah. should shift some things. But also, Agreed. I've actually I've thought about this. And initially, my initial reaction when the credits started rolling was like, oh, I wanted it to go a bit more psycho. I wanted it to come down hard on one side. But mm. you wanted it to be more psycho. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, I understand that. Though. What yeah, what, yeah. Is, what has this podcast done yeah, to me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I actually think in hindsight, now that I'm thinking through it, I kind of like that Derrickson goes, well, no, I've just asked you a question. Mm. In, in both arguments, at the end of the courtroom, it feels like you, you could easily take the side of both the defense and the prosecution. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a, a woman who was mentally unwell, who had these conditions, mm. wasn't treated appropriately, and the church failed. Yeah. And we also know from hearing in interviews with Derrickson as well, he's, his relationship with the church is fractured. He grew up very religious. It shaped who he is, but he has since decided that the church is full of fucks, which, yeah. let's be real, a mm. lot, of, lot of fucks in that yeah. organization. Mm. And so his sort of... That that explanation of it fits 100%. 
as does the other explanation. Like yeah. they actually give you, by the end of the movie, I think they give you enough of both sides. And even the idea, when I say wanted to go more psycho, was mm. leaning into the the devil or, or something coming yeah. after Laura Linney. And I'm like, oh, they don't really give you enough to justify it, but they mm. give you enough for her to have doubt. And that's the whole thing of the movie. Is yeah. That, yeah. Yep. It's reasonable doubt. This is what this movie is about. It's about the doubt of a courtroom, the doubt of faith, the doubt of a lawyer who thinks she knows everything. Yeah. And so- Maybe maybe she just happens to be waking up at 3am because she's got a guilty conscience. Right. And then, and then she hears later 3am significant and that mm. starts to freak her out. So maybe it's all here. Maybe yeah. it's all in her own head. I thought, um, is it Campbell Scott that plays the, the lawyer the for lawyer, the people? Yes. Yep. I thought he that actor did a particularly good job, but also yeah. just the character. You reach a certain point in the movie, in the back half, where he's doing such a good job of sort of debunking everything they sort of throw right. at the jury that it made me just go, oh, I think maybe Tom Wilkinson's the devil. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that, yeah, I think something fucked is going on here. And then yeah. there is that, I think, flat feeling when it's like, nah, mm. kind of wasn't. Yeah, I think here's, uh, I think here's my takeaway because basically, yeah, I was feeling the same as you, Sean, and I think I would have preferred that overall. But too. to Tom's point and what we've talked about previously on this podcast is the way you rate a movie, we, you, like there's no point comparing movies against other movies because not all movies are trying to do the same thing. Yep. Uh, and so what do we, how do we rate a movie? We rate it on was it successful in what the filmmaker was trying to do? How close did it meet the perfect version of whatever that film, whatever story that filmmaker was trying to tell? And so I think you're right. I think Derrickson was trying to give questions, not answers, yep. and, and ultimately did that. I think for me, Damien, this is where my subjective comes in, hell yeah, I would prefer it if the the – if like I especially love the idea of she's a lawyer who has to defend bad people and potentially even get them off. And so the idea of her finding out midway through this trial that the priest she's defending is actually potentially possessed by the devil himself and she has to defend him and pretend, like and go through the still do her job to the best of her ability, even though it turns out she's defending the worst thing imaginable. That to me is a really interesting, like that's not at all what this story yeah. is and it was never actually that story. Yeah. But because that idea popped into our heads during the watch of it, I was like, oh, but I like that. <laughs> and, and, and it is. And then you get to the end of the movie and it is hard to separate it from the, oh, I kind of wish they'd gone down this path. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, Tom, that is a good point. Like, did Derrickson nail the brief of what he wanted? I think he kind of did. Mm. I think he, yeah, I think he yeah, actually ending on ending on a question sort of thing really is nice. Well, I think the whole and this is again that framing device of the legal yeah. drama, the courtroom drama, the whole conceit for me. And this is again, I didn't have this in, a, in reaction initially. My initial mm. reaction was a bit like you guys. I was like, ah, and I think even my letterbox review reflects that. I was like, yeah, about three and a half stars. I wish I had done more. Yeah, but the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, no, I think the entire conceit and the way the film what the film is challenging us and, and putting to us is summarized perfectly in the framing device of a closing argument. Mm. And Laura Linney's closing argument is huge. Yeah, when she's yeah. like, I don't know this. I can't be sure. There mm. are no facts in this room. And she has that great line at the start where she's like, uh, Ethan Thomas, the Mr. Mm. Thomas here, the, the mm. other lawyer, is a man of faith and I'm a person of doubt. And it's so good. It's like, yeah, that's what this is. She And she does that whole thing where she's like, I've defended bad men mm. and- Thomas More isn't one of them. Yeah, yeah. Thomas More? Edward More. Edward More? Father More. Father, Father something. Freddie More? It's Barry Moore. I don't think it's Thomas. I Richard. think you're projecting. Richard. <laughs> Ethan Thomas. Yeah. Father, Richard More. Father Dick Moore. Dick Moore. More Dick. Yeah. More Dick. Yeah. yeah. Dickie Moore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really, really good. And I, I think like it's arguably making the argument for faith in general. As in, like, we don't always have all the facts. Uh, we can't know. That's sort of the point of faith. Which, like, again, personally- 
I don't have a lot of time for. I'm like, no, I am more science driven. So I'm like, yeah. no, we know a lot of things actually. We, yeah. There is plenty that we do know. The only faith I need is in sport. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but, and also on the law side of things. <laughs> sorry, Damo. Yeah. No, sorry. You boys just getting horny for sport? I've been seeing it all week. Yeah, yeah, lots of sport cooking. Oh. It was a big week for sport. It was yeah, a big week yeah. for Sean. Sport. Yeah, Kathy lifting. Oh, <laughs> sorry. A deep cut. That's a twenty-year cut. That's yeah. a twenty. That's a twenty-three-year cut. <laughs> I asked you boys earlier this week, what's more emotionally devastating, sport or horror movies? Did we answer very quickly? Yeah. You both answered very quickly. Yeah, sport. Absolutely. Yeah, horror movies aren't forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sport is. Yeah. Tom, 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 Tom. Man. Anyway, let's. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I, the other thing I really appreciate of this movie is obviously yeah, it's a horror movie that also happens to be a law drama. They fucking nailed the law drama side of stuff. Like mm. every time we got into those arguments, and again because it is about asking questions, whether it was Laura Linney or the other guy doing their thing, I was very engaged, and it worked obviously really well for a law drama because that's when you should be engaged. But it actually worked really well for a horror as well because. For a brief moment, I forgot I was watching a horror because I just got so yeah. caught up in this legal drama. And then someone goes to bed and you're like, oh, fuck. And then it's 3 a.m. and and fucking someone's back is twitching. And oh. usually your daylight scenes are that breather, that bit of fluff. Right. But you don't really, you, you do get the breather in the sense that you, f- at times you feel safer in the courtroom. Yeah. But you forget that you're in a horror movie because you're in, invested in this drama. Yes. And I did want to add on her closing argument. It's actually so good that I'm shocked. The jury didn't get swung by. <laughs> well, I think I think I think the evidence is what swings the jury. Yeah, but then that's why I think they say we'd like to make a recommendation of time served. Mm. Yeah, because the argument is we don't think he's a bad man, but we can't say that the devil did it. Yeah, so we have to find him guilty. Can I tell you a bit about the case it was based off? Oh yes. Do you know how long the time served was? I was curious to know that for the actual for the case. Priest, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. think they mention it in the movie, no. which is that annoyed me a little bit when they were like, "You're guilty, but time served, so see you later. You're free to go." Yeah. And I was yeah. like, "But how long's it been? You just but said also, he could have got ten years for this crime." They also say early on when they're making the plea deal that if he pleads guilty, they'll give him six months. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So I imagine a court a court case like this would probably be about six like, months. So you think he, he ended up getting what he was offered? I think so. Because to me, that's a bad judge. Okay. Because you could have gone, well, you could have saved us all a lot of time and having to listen to audio tapes of, of that fucked shit. You deserve to go to jail. I'm fucked the law 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> to have done. Well, you're going to get disappointed by the real case there. <laughs> oh. So the real case is based off of Annalise McCall, a young German woman who basically yeah, suffered a similar fate to the fictional Emily Rose. Uh, this was back in the 1970s. Ooh, okay. And so there's that case and there's a there was a book that came out about it that Derrickson sort of pulled on, which was written basically by an expert witness in the case, an anthropologist based off of the character we saw in the movie. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she is, again, a real character who then ended up writing a book off, off of the case, which That's makes cool. sense. Yeah. So in this situation, Annalise's parents and two priests, there was two of them, uh, were the ones who performed her exorcism, and all of them were prosecuted, or four were were put up for um, neglect. Homicide. Yeah, I assume she. Yeah, she died. She did die. So yeah, and then they basically they all got found guilty. The parents basically got excused from punishment because it was believed they had suffered enough. Was the verdict? And then for the priests, the two clergymen, they were sentenced to six months in jail and three years of probation. But even those six months in jail was later suspended. Like so suspended not, sentence. Not high. So, and again, the main, di- uh, the most significant difference between her one and this one is that for the real case, she was periodically fasting for several months. 
as part of her exorcism. And she also was on medication and she stayed on medication to her death, which obviously in the movie they flip it. So it's sort of, you can lay a bit more guilt at the father's feet. Yeah, she takes herself off the medication, but he is encouraging her to eat where she just can't eat. Yes. So for this one, they were fasting her in real life, which is, yeah. yeah. That's wild. So it's really like, again, for this case to have actually gone ahead in in real world. So Germany, 70s, not that long ago. Mm. And basically they're going, yeah, you- did her wrong, like you fasted your daughter and and mistreated her and didn't get her the proper medical care she needed. It's yeah, it's exorcisms is a thing like a psycho, yeah. like the, and and that that's I think one of the things the film does really well is it it takes something that is sort of mythologized by the genre, you know, by your pope's exorcists, yeah, your exorcist exorcists, <laughs> all those kind of films, and it kind of mythologizes mythologizes them, romanticizes them, makes them this cool thing of like, oh, how do we fight the right. devil? But I think Derrickson pulls it back and goes, no, 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 it's a ritual and yeah. it's fucked. Like, it's not great. And I think the exploration of that is is really interesting. And for mm-hmm. him to make a movie that is basically like, we don't know if the devil's real or not. We can all agree, yeah. though, that the process of an exorcism is a really fringe fucked thing that the church still does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they do it very quietly and they don't like being involved. And I like the idea that, you know, Dickie Moore feels like he's mm. he's he doesn't feel like he's an arm of the church because he's immediately abandoned by the archdiocese. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, I don't know, no priest is going to testify yeah. to prove this. You're on your own. But the whole thing of like the process of like, I'm as far as I'm aware, factually, is there. They have to get permission from the Vatican. Mm. The Vatican says, yep, you can do it. And that is still a process that I think still happens. Right. Like, I don't think... I don't think there's been one for many years, sure, but sure. Th- that's still a thing that gets done. You don't know of. I don't know of, no. Right. These exorcists, it's kind of like the IMF with Ethan Hunt, where it's like, <laughs> if you are captured or killed, you'll be disavowed. Yeah, 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 yeah. This Bible will self-destruct. Yeah. yeah. I-, I like, too, that, it, like, yeah, you're right. There is a, rom- like, romanticism is sort of a weird way no, to describe No, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. yeah. There is that thing of, like, all right, we're going to go in the room. I'm going to say some prayers. Mm. Everyone just be under control. Don't do anything she says. Yeah. And it's like a quick sort of thing where I like this that approach it more of like a war of attrition type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a true a true battle for the soul type thing. And mm. I actually, I liked that up to a certain point. Yeah, I think I also like, that, again, like you, Tom, saying like, no, this is a very real thing that has happened, may still be continuing to happen, where it, you think of them just purely as a Hollywood staple. You don't, like, and again, I'm sure, obviously, like, The Exorcist especially has elevated it to these extreme things where- you know, I'm guessing in real life, it's just like, yeah, I'm splashing some Hollywood, I'm saying some words, and maybe the person who's unwell for whatever's causing their sickness responds in some way or not. A lot of them, I'm sure, just don't, they're just fucking lying there comatose. But it is kind of good to go, no, no, this is a real thing, and we're going to try to, still in a very Hollywood movie kind of way, but try to pull some of that back and deliver it in a way that that is trying to give at least the other side of that, that this is reality. And how would us as a regular human being in a regular world view the people who choose to do this? And especially if the outcome was unfortunately death. How effective would you say that exorcism scene is compared to some of the other ones we've seen? That's a good question. Part of me, like it's, it's, this is where it's still pretty Hollywood. It's still, obviously she's speaking in tongues. He's asking her, what is your name? What is your name? It's still kind of really pulling on a lot of the tropes of exorcism and, because they're trying to get across that for the priest and those doing it, they 100% believe they're doing the right thing, which they do. Mm. Uh, and so for them, they have to 100% believe that the, the demon is in her. And us sort of getting their series of events, we're going to see it in that light as well, I think. So I think it needs to be delivered in that really over-the-top way. Part of me wants to almost see it from that 
uh, slightly pulled back way where there is more doubt involved. Because watching those exorcism scenes, you're like, okay, yeah, she's possessed. Yeah, she's speaking in tongues. She's right. doing all these things. Like she's in the courtroom, herself. the yeah. guy's doing a great job at saying, well, it could have been these other things. And you're like, yeah, that's a really fucking great argument. I want to almost see the version where I'm yeah. like, I'm already thinking I'm not sold on this. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, me, it's like, yeah. for me, it's the scene where the the- the lawyer is like, yeah, the holes in her hands because she grabbed the barbed wire fence. Yeah, and then we yeah. see that. I really liked that yep. aspect of it. So, yeah, when we, uh, we'll talk about scares in a moment, I mm. guess. But, yeah, for me, yep. when we do get to that exorcism scene, it's kind of like that takes all the doubt away. Yes. If we believe this point of view that we're watching. Correct. But we kind of have to because it's the tape of the, and we're just seeing the events of the tape. Yeah. 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 And, and the other thing, too, though, I will say is that when they do other scenes that aren't the tape but are versions of events so the the the, one, the main one is the one where she has the freak out in the classroom runs down the street sees all the faces and then has that yeah, moment in the church yeah. and when during the first version of that when the guys recounting the events you see that unfold right. and then with the cross examination the guy starts listing symptoms That's and it, all dude. of the symptoms are then displayed there paranoia they don't have fucked faces they're looking at it confused yeah. it causes contortions of the body which is what happens and that the eyes can go black when she's having a seizure yeah yeah and so all of those things I think I think the only scene that that leans all the way in is the exorcism scene. Correct. But again, they mentally debunk everything in the scene. Yeah, the only the only witness, the only linchpin witness they have, then dies. Yeah, yeah. So again, it, it's it's doing a great job of what it's attempting to do. I think he could have, in that sense of asking questions without giving answers, is to have shown both versions of the exorcism. One that's still very similar. But just different enough that when we're now going, I think the priest is at a little spice because that's truly how he saw events. But to have someone else's POV where it's mm, slightly different, like there's a, what's that great yeah, he, 50s he movie? It, he sees it through the lens of a man of God. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's a movie from the 50s. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, the the Twelve Angry Men. Uh there's yeah. Twelve Angry. No, there's another one I'm trying to think of where it's it's still a court one, but you see the. The, you get multiple witnesses and you see the same event, events from different POVs, basically. Yeah. Replayed in slightly different ways because of different people's perspectives. Sure. I think that's what I could have maybe had with this. Someone who was less of a believer but was there at the scene going, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, he's not wrong in what he's saying, yeah. but here's how I saw it. Have a doctor there. So you've got the priest's point of view and the doctors and the events are very similar. It's just through that slightly yeah. different thing. And Faith deliver them science. To, to both equal amounts and then it's us as the audience who then has yeah. to decide. Jack Shepard versus John Locke, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> but also I think the issue there is that the, the scientist, the doctor that they're going to yeah, use he, for yeah, that, yeah, yeah. dies. Yeah. dies. And, and well, also, he was the, completely rattled He was very well. devout. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He started praying again after this yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
All right, boys, let me ask our question. Were we scared? Yeah. <laughs> Were we scared? Let's just pull the veil back and say we got roughly halfway through this movie. Yep. And all desperately, desperately wanted to and agreed to take a break. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that Tom could go and season some some food for some us. Some salmon for, for us. Some yeah. delicious yeah. dinner that Tom was making later. It yeah. was um it was very funny though that we got we paused it, realized there was an hour to go. I then prepared what we were preparing for dinner. We've yeah. come back to watch it and um Sean, you've put your hand up and gone, we could just we could just stop. We don't have to watch the rest of this. This is true. Yeah. And yeah. we sort of, there, there was a moment there where I could feel that vibe. <laughs> it, that was, of, it would have been so easy just was, to be like, yeah, cool, turn it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was something in the room, yeah. Do you know what pushed me over the edge? Oh. The court case. I wanted to see how the court case played yeah. out. Oh, and also just, I don't, we've never done it. I don't think we would ever. No, we've never actually. We, we, we owe would, this audience. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. the conceit of the show. We've never, just so audiences are aware, we've never actually gone through on stopping a movie and, and oh, giving up Oh, we constantly want to. Yes. Anytime something scary happens, that's the same question in the room. Why, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Why are we here? Actually, we, the only time we would have done it or will do it again in the future is if a movie just sucked so bad that we're like, we don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> wow. We did do it once before for a movie that we realized um, three white guys probably couldn't talk to, which yes. is that, that slavery horror movie, which also yeah. just, just bad, was also mean, awful, movie. bleak yeah. film. Yeah. And then I'm like, what would we do? We can't do this. No. We can't do this movie. This isn't no. for us to talk about. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we didn't want a bar of it. And in fact, I think- at one point, I said to Tom because that was sort of the idea because things were pretty scary from the outset. Mm. And Tom was like, "Oh, before we even started, you said halfway through I need to stop. I just need to do some prep for dinner, sort of thing." And we were like, "Oh, that'll be good. That'll be a good little mm. break for us." I demanded that like that break so on t- early because when I asked for it, you were like, "Oh, I reckon another half an hour." And I'm yeah. like, "Check the fucking runtime, please." <laughs> I waited another fifteen minutes before I paused, yeah. and we were we were just 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 before halfway, just, yeah, 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 just before yeah, that yeah, midpoint, yeah. yeah, including credits, got to include credits. Yeah. Come yep. on, come on. So um, yeah. yeah, it was it was brutal. And we were yeah. when I asked to pause it, Dame, I said. We have to get through this fucking scene first because yes. we're going to pause halfway through. We're going to pause halfway through, maybe even the exorcism. No, nah, nah, no, it wasn't. It was, the ball, it was before that. Right. Yeah. Which, when he comes to visit for the first time, yes. sort of try and see what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And- Be- because on the scares front, I will say, front loaded as hell. I yeah. Think. Yes. When, by the time we actually got to the exorcism, so. that wasn't as bad. And maybe it was the break. I think the break helped us a lot. Yes. I think Because there was a, this suffocating sort of energy in the room and we were all having a horrible time. The yeah. scares were horrendous in the first part. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the body contortion stuff. Oh I think. man, yeah, that's horrible to watch. Yes. It's the it's the initial possession too. That in every possession oh, or yeah. exorcism scene that we've ever seen, that moment where they get attacked by something you can't see, mm. you're not sure if you're gonna see it. Is there going to be a jump scare? What's going to happen? What sort of horrific event is going to take place here? Yeah, and this one's fucked. It's so fucked. It's really this was the first one awful. in the like the, the, the dorm. dorm room. Yeah. yeah, and it's essentially when she's on the bed and it's like it's on her chest and pushing her down into. And you can the see bed. the yeah the sinking yeah. of the weight of it, but also that thing of like when she's opening doors and she's looking around and there's sounds mm-hmm. and again like with an Evil Dead like with any of that you're like you're not sure if you're going to see anything or yeah. just hear something and yeah. then are you going to get a jump scare? It's so it's it's the most terrifying terrifying part of any sort of possession film. Yeah, got to pay credit too to like things like the set design and this, mm. which was cool because there was like some times where we noted. She would walk into a room and the, the hooks on the back of the door actually looked like a face yeah, yeah. and things like that. And I think weaponized set design mm. goes a long way as well. And there, there were a few moments like that and the lighting was good and a lot of it looked quite great, even yeah. if they 
dragged a lot of color out in times and made it look yes. very fucking yeah. I want to say dull because normally it would be, but it worked perfectly for this film. Yeah, it just sort of made it bleak. Yeah. Um, apparently, I did read that the which I didn't pick up on, so maybe they didn't do it well enough. But like, <laughs> apparently, the color palette was a bit stronger in the possession scenes to give them a heightened sense of reality. Yeah, but I didn't really pick up on that. And then the other color element that they dropped in, which was anytime there was like a spooky happening about to happen, we got a purple light coming from. Somewhere. Oh, yeah, there's quite a bit of purple, yeah, yeah. which was like that. Yeah. That was nice too. Personally, I I don't think the the bleak color palette worked for me. It did feel too washed out. Yeah, okay. It did make me disconnect a little bit for some reason. I like it in the courtroom mm. aspect of it. I guess I didn't really pick up on the slightly increased color palette. For I the really other didn't because when I read that, I was like. And- I was when? trying to cover my eyes probably for most of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably one of those things we're disassociating, so we're yeah. not actually paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely like almost felt sick in yeah. the first half of yeah. this movie. Yeah. It's it's and again, it is that thing of like how not only horror movies, but also being a coward who is yeah. choosing to watch horror movie is I do think part of it is us the us building ourselves up to a point before the movie even starts of already elevated yeah, you, fear. you carry that in. And you carry that in. And so then when the things actually start happening, the promises are getting delivered on, we're now cranking up to here yeah, because you, we're already so heightened. And your brain also tells you too that this is all so early. Yeah, like, there's yeah, so much yeah, fun yeah. time left. Where is this going? Yeah. And then when we paused it and went, oh, fucking hell, there's an hour to go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think from the time we jumped back in, mm. the scares were never as effective for me. And, no. and I, I did want to say on the scares too, we've watched stuff that's significantly scarier than this. Mm. The thing that just affects me and makes me like feel very uncomfortable watching it is the body contortions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just that there's a sickness to watching a character suffer like that. It's yeah. Just, you feel completely helpless. They're completely helpless. And it just sucks to watch that. Definitely. Definitely. Well, like, there's something I want to talk about, but I'm going to ask our next question first because I think it kind of plays in. So, did our characters act wisely or foolishly? Which is like the whole argument of this whole movie. That's what the court case is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenny Carpenter has no case to answer. I don't no. think she can do anything. No, here. she's yeah. Dick um, Moore, yeah. Richard Moore. I think. I think depends what depends what angle you want to take on the movie. Right. I think he does everything within his power. He also at no point tells her to stop seeing the doctor. Mm. He keeps telling her you need to keep eating. He does make the decision to take her off the medication. However, his argument is she's been on the medication the whole time. Mm-hmm. Her family chooses not. She chooses to stop going to the doctor, I suppose. But I guess oh, I don't know. But also the condition that she's diagnosed with by Henry uh, Zerny, Henry Zerny, yeah, Henry Zerny. Is that just his thing that he makes up? Well, I I think no. So this is what I wanted to talk about with you saying about the convulsions and everything like that. So obviously epilepsy is very much real. Psychotic yep. epilepsy, which is what his thing is. I haven't I haven't googled it, so I really don't know. But I, like epilepsy is a horrible condition. It clearly is obviously the brain malfunctioning to some level. So potentially maybe there's a weird crossover for very few rare cases. But I do think the the epilepsy to exorcism connection is. Really clever and really interesting because, as we talked about it while watching this, previously uh, in history, someone would have been having an epileptic fit, but we didn't know what epilepsy was, and then we would have gone, oh, they're possessed by the devil. The devil. Grab the priest. And so it's kind of interesting to go, well, let's take that idea and flip it now, where modern medicine says they're having an epileptic fit, but what if it's actually the devil? What if it's actually the devil? So that's, like, really clever and good and everything like that. Um, 
But I think the idea of epilepsy alone is so terrifying. Like you said, people watching someone you love have these these horrible spasms, and especially because they can really damage themselves while doing it. Yeah. So like it's horrible for sort of be- in this sense because it's like the devil is literally inside them and twisting their body into this horrible pretzel. But it's also horrible because the idea of even that happening in real life and you're so helpless and and yeah. there's someone you care about who doesn't deserve this as much as no- anyone does. Uh, really, really horrible again. So I think yeah, like drawing the connection between their two makes it harder to ask the wise or foolish because you ultimately end up on either side of she had epilepsy or she was possessed, in which case they were wise or they were very, very foolish. I think, though, we can I can objectively say, furthermore, very foolish in one sequence. Okay. They do not restrain her well at all during that exorcism. Oh, she, she rip, is bound by so the easily. hands yeah. and yeah. that is it. Did they ever mention how many exorcisms he's performed before I or think, anything of that nature? I don't think many at all. I I think yeah. he's just Based on that, he, he just sucks. Yeah. yeah. I just want to sidetrack one quick thing. Mm. I thought it was interesting not to show Emily Rose's character before any of this afflicted her. Yeah, oh, they we show saw her a little one bit. scene. Well, I don't really think you get- Oh, yeah, you do, but she's excited about going to college. It's just her. like, oh, look, she's a sweet, nice girl. Like, But even like, you know how- um, Dickie Boar's whole thing is, I want to take the stand, I want to tell her, her story. story. And yeah, we know his motivations for wanting to talk about the exorcism and yeah. all of that and where that led. I I kind of wish that they had some sort of pre-existing relationship or mm. something. Just, well, just so do, there was an emotional- family priest. Yeah, I, I kind of just wanted to see maybe an interaction or something. It was kind of lacking an emotional hook, I reckon. Yep. Which again, I think is maybe the missing Cargill ingredient. Yeah, or I don't feel like I knew her character. No, and that that kind of sucks because you're going to watch two hours of this person go through hell and die, mm. and then you like it, it's awful. It's just yeah. awful to watch. Yeah, maybe it, it probably makes it more awful if you've seen the light in her and how great she can be. Yeah, and, yeah. But then I don't know. That's just part of drama and story. I think I wanted uh, yeah. to see the connections, and maybe that's us being a, like, the jury that we don't know her really. Other than yeah, what you only get you only get the information. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And in that sense, again, that's me projecting. What I wanted and Derrickson's yeah. done what his brief is. So, yeah. I have someone else who I think was foolish. Uh, God. <laughs> the idea that God is put, punishing her and letting letting demons into, like six demons into her. Including for fuck- Satan. One of them is including Satan. Including fucking Satan for a PR move so that her the people go out and go, oh, shit, if demons are real, maybe God is real after all, is psychotic. Yeah. God's, God's, look, I'm going to say, boys, God's a piece of shit. Yeah. Well- I, like to mistreat one of your most devout followers and be like, hey, by the way, people are starting to doubt me. So I'm just going to pump you full of demons yeah. to get the good word out about this fella. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. It's almost like you got everything from this movie that you feared Derrickson would deliver. Yeah. So that's just <laughs> yeah, bad yeah. vibes and sad feelings. Yeah. But it's also that thing of like the idea is, well, she gets given a choice. Her, oh, her, yeah, her yeah. devotion yeah. gives I mean, she's already gone through hell and her choice also ends in her death. So I don't know that it's yeah, a great but for choice. Catholics and Christians, death isn't a thing. You just get to then go to everlasting whatever. Yeah. So that's a choice. I don't agree with the choice, sure. but the justification would be there. However, I will stand by my previous statement. God, fuckhead. Yeah. yeah. Big fuckhead. Yeah. It's a courageous take by you, Tom. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah. How would we do in this situation? Pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, are we the, what role are we? Either we're possessed or, we're, yeah, well, I suppose we're the priest. No, no, I'd like to put something out there. Are we lawyers? No, no, we're the jury. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, no, fair yes. enough. We're the swing yes. votes of the jury. Do we find him guilty or not guilty? Uh, I'm, I like that other lawyer. I think he's doing a pretty good job. Yeah. But her closing argument is so good that I'm like, well, yeah, reasonable doubt. See, this, and this is the issue. It's Do the we want to have a reasonable doubt? Should we have a vote right now? Hmm. I have too much doubt to be able to objectively say that. Yeah, I have to go with Laura Linney. 
You're going so not you're going, like wholeheartedly. So, but, but yeah, yeah. But you're saying not guilty. Yeah, I think I have. you're saying. Not- I'm saying not guilty, not because I believe in the devil, but because I I just can't I can't with. She, she's put doubt in my head, and okay. doubt is what the whole case hinges on. Yeah. It's what our legal system is built on. Yeah. We All are right. coloured by to having spent time with the priest outside of what the jury would have yeah, as well. So, yeah. And they've only heard the audio tape. We've seen yeah. things. It's hard for us to judge. But, yeah, no, based on so, based on the strength of her argument and the closing mm. argument, I just have to be like, I, yeah, there's doubt. I will say there's also doubt. Ethan Thomas, Ethan, mustachio, uh, he does a great job. With the language thing. Mm. She studied those languages. Of course she can speak Mm -hmm. them. Fair enough. The throat singing thing. Mm. That is so hard to do and it takes years of practice. Why the fuck would she know how to do that? Mm. But she could. Yeah, but then my my doubt is that I'm like, I don't believe that argument. So my doubt actually goes the other way. Mm. My doubt flips around. Yeah. I also don't believe in Dr. Doctor Guy, who's like, right. she has this one specific form of epilepsy that I invented. Is that Henry Zerny? Yeah. Yeah. A bit aggressive from him, I think. Yes. Yeah, good performance, it, though. Those, a lot of the early witnesses very much, like, their statements are always like, and I believe he definitely contributed to killing her. Yeah. And then the judge is like, hmm, I'll allow it. I can, kind of, <laughs> I can kind of see it, like, coming from, like, a man of science and yeah. being like, oh, why are we even still talking about this? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can kind of see that point of view. Because uh, for me, I'd say guilty. I don't. I don't think uh, she was possessed. I think he made some bad calls. Should take the interesting. Oh, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe that she was possessed. Oh, mate, yeah. is, I don't. <laughs> I can't make the call that him as his choices. Mm. I get why he made the choices that he made. So I'd be like, doubt, not guilty. But I think does it have to be unanimous or going to be majority in America? Because I know it has to be unanimous here. Yeah. I think in America too. Yeah, 12 Angry Men. I think yeah. it has to be, you know. Then we're getting, uh, what is it? Free hotel, free food and free willy. <laughs> is James Marsden going to be there? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would assume one. where yeah. maybe if, if I was on the jury for this, I'd be like, this is that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> My yeah, friends yeah. aren't even my friends. They're actors. <laughs> this has been a long con for 10 years. <laughs> All right, that is all the scary talk we have for this episode. I've been Damien. I've been Sean. I've been Tom. And if you're scared of listeners like this show, would like to help us out, you can. It's very easy. You can just head over to patreon.com forward slash scaredyboys. You can become a patron. Five bucks a month. You get lots of great stuff. Uh, otherwise, you can also leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps a lot. Or you can send us an email at threescaredboys at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at scaredyboyspodcast or on Twitter at scaredyboys. Or individually, I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. I'm at Awkward Trade. Stay scared, everyone. hate the legal system. I love crime. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.